Locked On NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Detroit to speak to Matt Schock of Locked On Pistons about what this Pistons team looks like now without Andre Drummond. We go to Los Angeles to speak with Will Updike of Locked On Clippers about how Los Angeles made a move to acquire Marcus Morris while other contenders stood pat. And lastly, we go to Minnesota to speak with Ben Beacon of Locked On Timberwolves about Gerson Rosas almost completely overturning the roster in a bid to push forward in the future. It's all coming up. The bigger stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. The trade deadline has come and gone, so we're going to check in with three teams across the NBA who made some significant moves that are worth talking about. So let's get to it. I bring you now the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Matt Schock, is here with me today. Of course, Detroit trading away arguably their best active player at the moment. I guess with Blake Griffin injured, Andre Drummond goes to Cleveland in a package that most would consider underwhelming, Matt. But I guess the takeaway we have from this is that Detroit desperately did not want Andre Drummond to pick up his player option next year. Yeah, absolutely. You hit it on the head there. Uh, You can definitely see both sides of it where they don't want to go ahead and pay him the $28 million next season because you assume that he's going to opt in given that all the cap space around the NBA is kind of flying away as time goes on. So uh, it sounds like they want to move on or they definitely do want to move on. And the fact that they weren't able to pick up any meaningful assets wasn't a a deterrent to Detroit to make this move. So where does this position this team? We heard Tom Gores, I can't remember how long ago it was, you know, talking about getting off that treadmill of going for the eighth seed and perhaps trying a, a different uh, tack. But I thought if something like that would have been in full-blown motion, then someone like Markeith Morris or, or Derek Rose or, or Reggie Jackson would have also been jettisoned. Yeah, Rose still has a contract going for next season. Morris allegedly could have helped someone. Jackson's playing some of the best ball of his uh, career recently in this last two or three, uh, two or three week period. But none of those guys seem to get any traction or, or any movement there. It was only Drummond that was gone. So is that a, you know, looking on the outside, is it a half-baked sort of approach to let's tear it down or is this nothing? Because I don't think you can really say, hey, there was nothing that we really liked of value there for Rose or Jackson or Morris. And then on the other hand, turn around and say, well, look what we got back for Drummond because that was just clearly getting these guys, uh, getting him out of there. So what's the what's the disconnect between those sort of sides of the argument? Yeah, I, I totally agree. We're getting mixed messages from the Pistons right now. You get rid of, like you said, the best active player out there. I know he's not the asset that Derrick Rose is or even those expiring contracts. So it makes it makes sense in that regard. But how are you getting rid of one veteran for an underwhelming return when you have guys like Markeith Morris and Derrick Rose? And I'll throw Langston Galloway in there oh, as yeah. well. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Jackson's a little bit tougher because the high number of, of that he's owed the rest of this year might be tough to match. 
in salaries at the trade deadline during the season. But like you said, there are guys that could have helped contending teams. I know Derrick Rose is under contract for one more season, so apparently they want to bring him back as one of these veteran guys in the locker room going into next year. But to me, that doesn't sound like a rebuild, right? You have Blake Griffin definitely coming back next season, provided he's healthy. You can always find guys in the summer signing free agents. And then uh, I just don't understand what Markeith Morris and Langston Galloway in particular, and I think Derrick Rose as well. I was screaming about it for the months leading up to the trade deadline that they need to find a way to get you know, the Zaire Smith type from Philadelphia, just to uh, roll the dice on a young player and add some quality second-round picks into a package and find a way to make that happen. It sounds like Detroit put the price tag at Rose for too high that anyone would reasonably want to pay. And uh, in my opinion, I think they should have uh, thrown Morris and Galloway out there to the highest bidder and taken whatever second-round picks were out there to, uh, to, to get rid of those guys too. Because yeah, not only does it give you a small asset, whether it is Smith or a second round pick back, but it does clear uh, playing time. And of course, playing time could be cleared by just not playing those guys. But then you have guys who have had issues in locker rooms in the past, like a Markeith Morris, who might be saying, hey, why aren't I playing? And then that creates extra tension there. And the fan base revolting because Derek Rose is being sat down so that you know, Bruce Brown can play 30 minutes a night and people having issues with that. So there are different ways of uh, being able to justify that. But again, it is that, that mixed message, which is uh, confusing. Now, a lot of Pistons fans were ready for Andre Drummond to be gone for quite a while. They've been clamoring for Christian Wood to take that role, even though there's about six, six months in age difference between the two. It's not like one is this you know, really bright young prospect. Wood is really is uh, has, has showed really well in these games where Drummond has been out, but what does this mean about how... Because, and, and again, earlier in the season, Dwayne Casey, when Drummond would sit out or when Griffin would sit out, he would not play Christian Wood. He would start Thon McCare in that role. He would put Markeith Morris in there and Wood would come off the bench. But now, all of a sudden, Wood's starting. Do they look at him as potentially their starting center of the future or the immediate future? Like, what is the view here? Because he's obviously a fan favorite and he puts up big numbers. Is that the direction they're going? And he's our, he's our anchor now? Yeah, definitely for the rest of the season. I mean, obviously, when you throw him in right away after the trade for the Oklahoma City game and the New York Knicks over the weekend, that's the indication that he's going to get those minutes and he's going to get the opportunity as the starting center. Now, obviously, John Henson comes off the books this this summer. You would expect that there's – and obviously, Blake Griffin, you hope that he comes back into the mix of the front court as well. So there's some other options there. Uh, it's not penciled in for sure that Christian Wood's going to be the starting center on game one next fall but uh certainly for the rest of the year christian wood's going to get his time he's going to get his numbers and he's going to get his opportunity to make some mistakes on the defensive end to get overpowered by certain teams that still have those big kind of centers and uh to work through those kind of problems but yeah it's been a big surprise that maker's been playing pretty well and putting up some numbers since he's been getting some minutes lately he was such a disaster for the first half of the season and now he's kind of been playing pretty well when he's been getting minutes in the last 10, 15 games. And uh, John Henson, in his debut against the Knicks on Saturday night, made all of his shots, six for six from the field. And when you're talking about Maker and and Henson, it's two guys that are really playing for their NBA lives. So you'd expect that these guys will play really hard, Um, Maker being a restricted free agent this summer for the Pistons, that uh, Dwayne Casey really likes. And like you said, he's got more minutes than he deserved earlier on in the season. So... There's an, uh, a world where he comes back and plays on the Pistons, possibly in the, the fringes of the rotation next season. But Henson's a guy who needs to play well and he needs to figure out a way to stay in this league next year. So he's going to be a guy who's super motivated to play well down the stretch as well. 
one last thing circling back to what we spoke about earlier about yeah, Gores and, and talking about a, a teardown and a rebuild. We saw Sekou Dumboya move into the starting lineup a few weeks ago and then Casey had some pretty harsh words for him saying, I think he needs time in the G League. He took him out of the rotation for one game. Uh, then he moved him back in and he started. But now he is, you know, again, on the bench behind uh, guys like Thon and like uh, Christian Wood. And then, of course, uh, you're going to have Markeith Morris come back into that mix there. So, again, is that a mixed message thing? Like, what was the issue with Siku starting and trying to play through those mistakes? Did he deserve to get benched and removed from the rotation? Where do we see his role moving forward? As realistically on this team, you're one of the maybe two or three guys, uh, young real prospects, along with, say, Svi and uh, and probably Luke Kennard. But you know, I'd say Siku's probably got the higher upside out of all those guys. Like, what what does the rest of the season have in store for him? Because it was peaking and now it's sort of uh, dropped back off. Yeah, I think in Detroit we're getting used to his inconsistency, which makes sense for a guy who just turned 19 in December. I, in some regard, very surprising in his first four or five starts that he had when they inserted him into the lineup right at the beginning of 2020 that he was so good. I mean, he stepped in right away against Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James and really some of the other elite players out there in the NBA and, and played uh, shockingly well for four or five games. But in the 10 games or so after that, they kept him in the starting lineup and he was non-existent. I mean, a little bit of troubles on defense, as you would expect, the read and recognition type of thing that a 19-year-old is supposed to do on the fly. And then just disappearing offensively, kind of a standstill guy who was able to, to be ready to take shots, but then the three-point percentage went down as well. And the effort has been in and out throughout his time with the Grand Rapids Drive and also with the Pistons too. So I would expect the unexpected with him. Uh, that you would, uh, you know, when, right when you think he's going to disappear for the rest of his rookie season, he's going to come out and have a pretty good game or a pretty good half like he has this week a little bit. But then uh, right when you start to, to feel like he's going to be a guy who's going to be a full-time starter next season and a guy right in the middle of this rotation and, and playing solidly game in and game out, he's going to disappear for games at a time. So I think, uh, you know, if you catch him on the right night, he's going to show you some really nice things that he can do for the next 10 years in the NBA. But then other times he looks like he's a 19 year old. That's going to need some time to find his way. So I would kind of expect that, in, that inconsistency to continue for now. It is a new era in Pistons basketball with Andre Drummond now in Cleveland. So we've got another you know, 20 or 30 games here uh, left to go to see how this all looks. Matt will have it covered for us all over on locked on Pistons. Thanks for jumping on locked on NBA with me, Matt. Thanks Josh. Appreciate the time. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy mums and dads, first responders, and elite athletes, whatever your activity level. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Now I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Clippers podcast. William Updike is here with me, uh, fresh off the Clippers getting trounced by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Will, what happened in that one? Oh, man. Uh, 
you know, it's the same thing that we've seen from this team time and time again, where we don't know which version we're going to get. I I need to double check what our record is, but against these five, like below 500 teams, uh, where we allow 40 or more in the first quarter, uh, we've seen this time and time again. It, it's it's really hard to, to come up with the resolve to come back from that one. Uh, we allowed 81 in that first half uh, from a team that was on a 13-game losing streak. And I, I don't want to read too much into it, but at a certain point, you do start to wonder when that switch is going to be flipped. Now, I guess the, the silver lining is that you don't have to play bad teams in the playoffs, so maybe that's going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be something that, that uh, looks good for this team. They are 36-16 and 16 at the moment, despite that loss. Three and a half games back from the Lakers in the one seed, but of the teams that are considered the, the three top title favorites, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks, the only one of those three teams to make a move at the trade deadline was the Clippers. Yes, the Nuggets are currently sitting in the two seed. They made a number of moves. I wouldn't say that those moves that the Nuggets made made them better. They were just more about a consolidation and and you're helping out guys to get better opportunities like Beasley and Hernan Gomez. You had the Rockets who were down the, the f- fifth seed. They made a move. Some will say whether it was better or worse. Hard to tell after they beat the Lakers and then lost to the Suns. But the Clippers are the team that unambiguously got better. They sent out Jerome Robinson and a first-round pick and Mo Harkless, and they replaced it with uh, with Marcus Morris. Now, M- Morris is having a, a pretty strong season for the Knicks, a 44% three-point shooter. You would imagine he just slides into that starting lineup where Harkless was, but I think his role is going to be different. And the question I have here for you, Will, is you know, is his role going to be different instead of that you know, 22 minutes that Harkless would play with the starters? But how does Morris fit in? A guy that was a pretty high-usage player, dominated the ball, lots of, uh, lots of uh, shot clock draining from the way he played with the Knicks. How's that going to fit alongside Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, those sort of guys? Uh, I mean, well, he's going to be immediately jumping into a much diminished diminished role with way lo- lower usage than what he was doing um, there in New York. I, I, I think like for a closer comparison, maybe looking back to his time at, at Boston is like a little bit of a better look. I, I think that he slides into that lineup pretty well. Um just as long as he's willing to accept that sort of a diminished role. I mean, any sort of offensive upgrade from Harkless was 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 going to be an upgrade. Uh, and I think that while you lose some of the defensive uh, versatility and switchability, you know, Harkless can can really guard almost one can guard one through fours pretty, pretty competently. Uh, whereas Morris is, is much more of a, a defensively is not going to be stretched that far. Uh, but you know, going into a, going into playoff matchups, uh, that sort of thing isn't really as necessary, especially ramping up Paul George and Kawhi. Uh, so I, I think that the defensive falloff won't be too too low. I'm curious to see though how we're going to manufacture shots and touches for him. Uh, obviously, like off ball motion, um, it's looked a little mixed sometimes with this team, uh, and the ball movement uh, at times can get can get really, really sticky. And I think that if if shots aren't available for Morris or uh, that's not prioritized, I, I think we're going to see lapses on the defensive end, as well as some issues in the locker room chemistry-wise, which is, is probably my biggest concern with Morris. 
Yeah, that is, that is a concern. He has had problems there. Now, we didn't really see much of that coming out in New York. and In Boston, he seemed to be well-liked. But again, yeah, he is going to suffer a, a pretty significant drop in his role and, and his minutes as well. He's playing over 32 minutes a night. I'd imagine that comes down a little bit because, you know, most guys on this team aren't playing that level. And again, yeah, in terms of priority in the pecking order, we're going to see Morris you know, push behind quite a few guys. I do want to talk about something that Doc Rivers said, which ties into a, a larger point. And he, he did intimate that we'd see Morris play some at center. And that ties into what is going on at the moment with Montrez Harrell, with Ivica Zubats. Now, everyone, yeah, they appreciate what Harrell does, the hyper energy, the great offensive stuff. But I thought there was a real chance the Clippers could look to trade Harrell. Uh, his defensive issues are significant at the most important defensive player or posi- position on the court. And we have seen you know, recently, a lot of the times when Zubats is in there, the team seems to look quite a bit better. So what does this mean for how they're going to run this center rotation? Is Harrell going to see his role reduced here if they're going to go with more of that Morris at five and play more Zubats? Because I, I think, and you know, you're someone who watches the team uh, you know, every game as opposed to me not seeing every minute of every game. When, when Zubats is out there with the other stars like a Williams and, and Kawhi and with Paul George, with a bunch of those guys, it seems to work better for me. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'd agree. Zoo out there, there, there's really not an argument for him to not be playing more minutes. Uh, the biggest, the biggest fault is like he sometimes get into he'll he'll get into foul trouble pretty easily. Uh, you know, he'll sometimes have like back to back to back, and then Doc will immediately bench him. Uh, so yeah, he he looks great defensively. Uh, a huge upgrade from Harrell. Uh, Doc has talked time and time again though about how he loves the potent Harrell offense, especially with that Lou Will pick and roll. But the issue is he's playing 18 straight minutes a lot of times at nights to finish out games. And like, he's an energy guy and it's just not sustainable. So like my answer for, I guess, Morris spending minutes at the five, it, it would be God, I hope so. Or anything that will give him a break from that third to fourth quarter, uh, I, I think will be an improvement for both what Trez can bring in those minutes, as well as, I, I mean, just anything we can get out of, of some of these other contributors. Because it's just, it's not sustainable for him to be playing these 18-plus these minute long stretches. Uh, the defense, you know, falls off a cliff. He gets targeted so much harder. Uh, and, and he just looks fatigued. His free throw shooting percentages drop. Like, it, it, it's just a pattern that we've seen all season. And if Morris is the answer to that, great. I thought Jamichael at the five would be a, a little bit of an answer for that at stretches. Uh, we haven't seen it uh, a whole lot. So, I, honestly, I, I just hope there's some sort of reprieve for Harold because I, I do think that he's a great player and I do like what he brings to the team. But it, in this sort of way he's being used, he, he, it's not being maximized. Yeah, and that's that is true, and there does seem to be a level of uh, a stubbornness with with Doc and how he's using those guys. And interestingly, over the course of the season, and this is you know a couple of metrics, and it doesn't tell the whole story. But in PIPM and wins added, Zubats actually has higher numbers than Harrell in both of those metrics over the course of the season. PIPM is a rate statistic, wins added is a uh, is a total t- statistic, a volume statistic. So for him to still be ahead in that number despite playing uh, what it was five hundred fewer minutes is pretty telling to me. So it is interesting, and, and again. And just that the lower usage fit with those other high usage guys seems to make more sense. But Doc has been pretty stubborn in those situations and even times when they're getting you know, beaten, say, in the offensive glass or defensively, and he sticks with Harrell. And look, he does need to make that change, but maybe that's something that happens throughout the playoffs or over this little stretch here as they start to integrate uh, Marcus Morris. Um, last question before you go, Will. Paul George, the multiple injuries this season, has... Uh, 
has he underwhelmed, would you say, or has it just been the injuries? Or how have you viewed his you know, first you know, 40, 50 games with the Clippers? Oh, man, that's difficult. 30, 31 uh, so, games, actually. Yeah, so uh, the I mean, the second round of injuries, uh, like the, the hamstring was super disappointing. Uh, did not see that one coming. And I would say, yeah, coming into the trade deadline, it was – it had me personally wondering if there was maybe a move out there for George, um, just considering how narrow the window is with this roster as currently constructed. Um, I, I do think that when he's been on, when he's actually been available, um, offensively, he's been incredible. Defensively, he looks like a guy who's still playing his way back in. He's, you know, he's biting on every pump fake. Uh, he's, you know, he, we've seen him get kind of crossed up multiple times. Uh, so it, it's been mixed, but like offensively, his game is so smooth and such a compliment. I feel to, to Kawhi's game that when they do get it figured out, um, it in stretches, it looks incredible. Um, there was a game, a couple games back where, uh, all, you know, like the majority of the playmaking 15 plus assists was handled just through, uh, Kawhi and George. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that, the way we, the way the guard rotations are right now, we're dependent on Paul George. I think moving forward uh, as an extra facilitator. Um, so while his performance thus far has been, uh, I mean, I can't lie, it's been a little bit uh, disappointing. That that's mainly all due to availability and health things. Uh, when he's fully available and healthy, uh, he has looked. He, he has looked. He has looked really solid. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out with uh, with Marcus Morris now joining the fray as significant upgrade on Mo Harkless as this team pushes to to jump uh, into the the up not into the upper echelon because they're already there, but to push towards that NBA title. Will you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Clippers? Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me, Josh. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Timberwolves podcast. Ben Beacon is here with me. It was an eventful three or four days for the Minnesota Timberwolves as they turned over the majority of their roster and got that big fish that they have been desperately seeking over the past six months. D'Angelo Russell linked to this team for months and months and months. He's finally here. Andrew Wiggins is gone. Ben, was this level of overtooling necessary? Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody that would have seen any of the Wolves games over the past, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks um, prior to the trade would have would have seen that it was absolutely necessary, um, especially Wednesday night's game against the Atlanta Hawks was complete debacle. Team wasn't team wasn't hardly trying at all, um, and it became clear that there was there was an overhaul needed. I don't think anybody was expecting them to literally ship out seven guys and bring in seven new guys in in a span of basically thirty six hours um, over two trades, but that's exactly what they did, and and I think it was definitely necessary. Now, we know that they've been desperate for D'Angelo Russell since free agency and the name has just constantly been linked. I didn't think that it was going to happen. I thought maybe in the summer we'd see something along those lines go down. Uh, it did seem to come out of the blue, especially after that uh, that Covington deal went down. I wasn't sure that we'd be getting another big move like this. Were you surprised to see this actually occur at this time of the year? Absolutely. I, I was. I had been saying all along on, on Lockdown Wolves that I didn't think that the D'Angelo Russell move was going to happen this year. I thought it was probably a summer move. Um, I didn't actually think that Robert Covington was going to get moved. I thought that it was a lot of, um, you know, he was one of the best three and D guys available. And I thought that the wolves 
you know they're looking for for guys in valuable contracts. They're they're going to want to contend for the playoffs next year, um, and so I thought that they were going to hang on to him and maybe make some big moves this summer. But both things happened, and it was it was shocking, especially after the report. I think it was late on Wednesday, um, or maybe it was late Tuesday. Um, I think it was Shams had reported um, from from Yahoo that the trades were at an impasse and they weren't going to and nothing was going to happen and and the Wolves and Warriors weren't going to you know talk any further and then after the fact it was reported the Warriors reached back out to the Wolves late on Wednesday and, and kind of rekindled the talks um, and over the course of the next few hours everything came together and um, yeah I mean I, I really didn't think the Warriors were going to go for what's essentially D'Angelo excuse me um, Andrew Wiggins and a pick for D'Angelo Russell it really surprised me. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus that the, the the Warriors did sell a little bit low on Russell. I don't know why they were so keen to get rid of him, but obviously, you know, Steve Kerr coming out with these comments that, that it wasn't a fit from the beginning. There was just a whole bunch of curious stuff going down in this deal. So now the, the Wolves are running with uh, you know, quite a different lineup here, of course, with no more Andrew Wiggins. We've got Josh Okogie that started there. Malik Beasley came in in that Covington deal. D'Angelo Russell's going to be starting at point guard. Juancho Hernan Gomez, it looks like, is going to be starting at power forward. They shipped off Gorgie Jeng. They brought in James Johnson. Just moves all over the place with this squad. Uh, obviously, outside of D'Angelo Russell, who, who we know is the biggest name coming in, which move do you think other than that, is the most impactful? Is it getting uh, a guy like Malik Beasley in? Is it getting off Gorgie Jeng's money? Like, which move is the most impactful here? I would say it's acquiring Malik Beasley. Um, and, and it all depends on what he does the rest of this year. Of course, both him and Hernan Gomez are are um, going to be in restricted free agency this summer. So it's basically like a 30-game trial for them to see if, if they're going to be worth the money uh, for the Wolves to extend those guys or to match an offer sheet in restricted free agency this summer. Malik Beasley, I mean, you look at what he did last year for a, a Denver team that won 54 games. They were the number two seed in the West. He was a 20-minute-a-game rotational player. He started a couple dozen games for them, I think, um, and and was a basically a you know just a hair under 40 percent three-point shooter um is an effective scorer he's the type of guy who if you look at his per 36 numbers at, at his rate stats um somebody who when he gets more minutes is likely going to be very efficient certainly going to be at the very least a volume scorer um and it, it looks like based on his career numbers from beyond the arc from the free throw line he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot but he should be the type of guy who can fill in and be a spot-up shooter and um, if needed, more of a high-volume guy that slots in really well between Towns and D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to create. Um, he's he's a really good catch-and-shoot player. He's much better as a catch-and-shoot guy than he is off the bounce. Um, and that fits with the D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns pick-and-roll. You put him on the perimeter. You put Hernan Gomez, who's a much lower usage player, but a good spot-up three-point shooter on the perimeter, and you've only got really one weak link in Josh Okogie or Jarrett Culver, whoever that fifth player is on the floor in terms of a shooter. Um, and I think Malik Beasley is just a perfect fit for what the Wolves are trying to do. And if he plays well, expect them to, to pony up and to keep him around this summer because he fits the timeline of Russell and Towns perfectly. What do all these moves say about Jarrett Culver, who has not been good? This season, um, they bring in D'Angelo Russell. Now, there's talk that Culver could have played some point guard, so Russell's in there now. They bring in a shooting guard, Malik Beasley. They start Josh Okogie over Culver now. Look, where is he sort of sitting in this pecking order? Uh, you can't write off players after half a season, and front offices shouldn't do that. But it does appear that with these moves and the, the corresponding rotational changes, that he is uh, is not impressing them just at this point. Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I, I made the prediction shortly after the the trade on Twitter that 
um, one of Josh Okoge or Jarrett Culver would not be on the team next year, that one of them will get traded this summer. And and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that the Wolves are going to look to find somebody, um, you know, they can maybe afford to have one guy in the wing rotation who's not a good three-point shooter, but they can't really have two. And right now, Okoge's the better all-around player. He's the better defender. He's also got a, an extra gear under his belt. Um, but there's some advantages he has. Obviously, Culver's a little bigger. He has a little bit more length. Um, he should be a better playmaker. He's a He can handle the point. That's not something Okoge would ever do. Um, so that might give Culver the edge. But I, I think it wouldn't shock me if he was packaged with a pick or maybe two picks to try and move him this summer and 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 look for a guy you know uh, to be an asset in a deal. And I don't know that this happens, especially if Malik Beasley plays like he did if he scores 23 points a game like he did the other night you know but there's Devin Booker there's Bradley Beal there's all these other names out there from guys who would also fit a timeline for the Wolves um and so I think it's it's possible that he's included in a trade but you're right he definitely could be an odd man out does this make Carl Anthony Towns happy it better. I mean, it, it certainly seems like it does. Uh, all the, I guess you could even call it propaganda put up by the Timberwolves after the trade. Clearly, he's very happy, and and him and Russell are genuinely great friends. Um, and and he Towns has said all the right things, and and I think he he's pretty genuine in, in saying he wants to be in Minnesota. He's also in the first year of a five year deal, so he doesn't have a lot of choices, but. He wants to win there. He's good friends with the coach, Ryan Saunders. He's good friends, it sounds like, already with the front office, the new front office, Gerson Rosas and everybody up there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's going to be playing with the best friend uh, that he's wanted to play with. And clearly the front office is listening to him and surrounding him with guys who are going to who are going to make his job easier. So he, he really should be happy. Well, that's uh, you know, great news because, of course, that's been bandied about. Oh, he's, he's, is he going to ask out? What's going on with his team? They continue to lose. Now, some of that's placed on him, of course, as well, with some of the uh, defensive uh, issues, I, I guess we'll put it that way. Um, but it is a big retooling. It's a big gamble on the on this pairing of, of Russell and Towns and what this means moving forward. It's going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch here down the stretch to see how this uh, does all work out. And, Ben, you'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Wolves. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that will wrap it up for another episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you're subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And if you could give us a five-star review, that would be fantastic. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the network on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On NBA Net. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.